dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up. And after the death of Abraham, he called them by the names which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called it Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. and keep your Bibles open there to the book of Genesis chapter 26 and Brother Kerry will come in just a few minutes and uh, I know deliver an excellent lesson uh, from uh, that text. We wanted to mention a couple things that um, uh, we haven't gotten mentioned yet. Uh, We wanted to remind everyone uh, to welcome Donnie and Jeanette Qualls and their granddaughter Brooklyn. Jeanette and Miss Brooklyn are over here if y'all raise your hand or stand so so people can know. There's Donnie, okay. Donnie's like me. You can recognize Donnie by his head. All right. So we are thankful that uh, that they are uh, members of our family here. Uh, This is our fifth Sunday. Um, For those of you that are visiting, we are thankful that you are here. And we have a uh, special returning guest uh, with us today, Brother Philip Goad. Uh, He didn't know I was going to say this, but uh, Philip has meant a lot to this congregation. And uh, we thank Philip for that work and for the work that he continues to do at Heritage Christian University. And so, uh, Philip, it's great to see you here today. In just a little bit, uh, after we conclude our worship service, we'll be going back to the ministry building uh, to enjoy a meal together. If you're visiting, if you didn't bring anything, Thing, that's okay. There's generally plenty enough food. Uh, we just want to make you, you make your way out these doors over here and back to the back, and uh, we will enjoy a meal there together. I want you to uh, remind you as well, uh, when we conclude there, we will not come back here in the auditorium. We will finish back there uh, in the ministry building. So when you finish eating, go throw your things away, and then come back and be seated, and we'll uh, conclude with our service there with another wonderful lesson from Brother Kerry uh, Cruz. We're thankful to have Kerry and his family here with us. Uh, Kerry uh, teaches and coaches in the uh, uh, Waynesboro school system there in Wayne County. Uh, he also preaches for the Wayne Furnished Church of Christ. Uh, if you missed Bible class, you missed an excellent lesson on Jonah. I want to encourage you to go to our website and you can listen to that uh, because one, uh, Kerry did a great job uh, talking about uh, Jonah and uh, the way Jonah ran. And so we're thankful to have Kerry and his family here and Kerry's going to do another fine job uh, for our worship service and I want you to get out your uh, pen and paper uh, if you take notes especially uh, because he's going to deliver us another excellent lesson and we're thankful to have uh, Kerry with us today. Brother Kerry. I'll do my best. Oh, is is that on? All right. Y'all can hear me okay? Sorry. 
But it could, you know, if I walk around enough and you got you were smart and you got behind one of those posts, you don't have to see me. You'll just have to hear me. That'll be way better for you, I, I'm sure. But I, I, I'm going to work from the floor if that's okay. But I'll do my best to get around to the side. I, I don't. I appreciate so much y'all having me. I really do. Uh, if you're asked someplace once, that's that's really a big honor. But to get to come back to place more than once, I mean, that's really a double honor. It means people are really a glutton for punishment or or that you did okay. I, I'd said earlier that I'd held some meetings in different different places, and I, I, I'm not, you can tell if you were here that I'm not a trained speaker. Uh, there's, I, I went to Freed Hardeman, that, that's true. I attended there from 82 to 86, but I, I didn't have a single, well, I did have, I did have speech class, I did. Brother Winston Harless was my speech teacher. And and we videoed our speeches. Y'all, that was in the day, you young, you didn't do that with a cell phone. They, they, they held this big camera up, you know, on the shoulder. That time they put it on a tripod, and it was made on like, well, if I told you they were huge cassette tapes, that's like the other day I told one of our kids, I said, you need to play like Larry Bird. And they said, who in the crud is Larry Bird? And I was like, whatever, get on YouTube. But anyhow, anyhow, had them big, they got them huge, them huge. You know, and we made it, and then you went in, and he critiqued your speech. He told me, he said, you are humorous. I said, thank you. He said, uh, your country. I said, oh, I don't believe that. <laughs> of course, I could hear it, you know, I could hear it. And I thought, man, am I a bumpkin or what? I, I was really loud. And, 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 and he said, are you going to make your living doing any public speaking? Well, I said, well, no, I don't reckon. I didn't really plan doing any speaking. He said, good. <laughs> he said, because you don't need to do it. So when I spoke over at chapel one time, I stuck my tongue out at him. He was in the audience. I said, hey, hey, like that. But no, he was right. I shouldn't be speaking. That's true. Boy, I am. Con- but anyways, I spoke one time. It might have been down at Walnut Grove. fella gave me a dish. I was so encouraged. He said, he said you should listen to this on the way home. He said, it's one of the best sermons I've ever heard. And I, I was getting all teary-eyed, him saying that. And I thought, well, I'm not, you know, now I realize I'm not very good. But anyways, we're going along there. And I thought, well, I was going to stick it in my Jeep and listen to it on the way home there. And I hope I don't go to sleep like the lady did on the fifth row. Because then that wouldn't be good if I was driving and went to sleep. But, but, but anyhow, I played it and it started off. And Well, I just had to turn off to the side. It sounded like Jerry Clyer. I was just laughing. I thought, this is terrible. I can't believe I'm so country and people would listen to me. But you've been kind and you've had me here. And I, I'll try to do right now and get us out so we can eat and, and get on to it. Now, now, if we got to anything in, in the class, this is it. You're ending this year running. Every one of us are. Not just you, but me as well. We're running. Some of us are running from God. That's where Jonah was in Jonah chapter 1. God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh, preach the preaching that he was bid to preach, but Jonah boarded a ship and went to Tarshish, the opposite direction. Some of us are here today and we are being disobedient to God. We're running from God. Some of us then are in Jonah chapter 2 as we end this year. We are in the belly of the great fish. We have found that sin has overwhelmed us. You know what sin will always do, don't you? Listen to me, young people. It'll take you places you didn't want to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. 
it'll cost you way more than you thought you'd ever have to pay. And sometimes when you're in the midst of that, what you find yourself doing is crying out to God. Say, wait a minute, God. Help me. Help me. We gave an example of the father of the prodigal. We talked about as well the fact that God is a God of second chances. And that God is willing to forgive us and God is merciful towards us. We found ourselves running to God. Some of us are doing that today. We thought, man, this year was bad. I'm changing. Next year I'm running to God. I'm starting today. Some of us ending this year are in Jonah chapter 3. We're running with God. Word of the Lord came to Jonah again in Jonah chapter 3 and said, Go down to Nineveh and preach the bidding that I preach, the, preach what I bid you to preach. Give them that message. And Jonah does what? He goes down, preaches Nineveh. Jonah obeys God. Some of us are right there. Some of us are ending this year thinking, you know, I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. I have fellowship with the Lord. The blood of Jesus is cleansing me from my wrongs. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm finishing the game. I'm like Paul. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me alone, but to all those who love his appearing. I'm doing the very best I can. I've served God to the best of my ability. I know the Lord's going to take me home. But some of us are in Jonah chapter 4. We're running ahead of God. Jonah chapter 4, we find Jonah not excited over the fact that the Ninevites have been spared from their wickedness, but we find the fact that he's angry, that God has forgiven them. You ever done that before? Have you ever thought, and I was going to interject that here, but I'll, I was going to interject it in class, but I was running out of time, so I'll interject it for a moment here. You know, sometimes if you ever think that the gospel, somebody's not worth the gospel message, boy, you're vastly wrong. Because the gospel's for everyone. This is the only thing that can save man. <laughs> And so Jonah thought, well, you've let those Ninevites come back. Man, I'm mad. I wish I was dead so I didn't have to see it. Running ahead of God. Sometimes we are too. We plan and wait. We're not even counting for God in this next year. Not even thinking about it. We're making all these plans. You remember what James chapter 4 teaches us, don't you? Now be careful. Now you rich men that say, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy and I'm going to sell and I'm going to get gain. You need to say what? If the Lord wills, I'll do this tomorrow. If the world still stands, this is what I'll do. Now, that's not, a, that's not an indictment against planning for your future, obviously. But sometimes we have a tendency to take God out of everything. Our planning, our thinking, our th we're running ahead of God. That's where you end in the year. Now, here's what I'd like to tell you. That 2018, can you believe we even say that? 2018. 2000, I just come to the realization, you know, sometimes when I'm going across through the, the, the serious radio station, and I'm thinking, man, I'm listening to the music from the 70s. Man, man. That was for, I'm, no, wait a minute, I'm mostly 80s, but, but give me the 70s. I'm because I had, I had older, uh, older siblings. So I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, 
Man, you know, when I was riding along, Daddy was listening to 650 uh, WSM. You remember that was the only clear AM station. Boy, that's what you got in that car all the time. Man, I knew more George Jones and Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash. I knew Gene Watson. Man, I knew all of those people. Merle Haggard. I could sing everything they'd ever said. I was riding along there. I thought, man, that was over 40 years ago. And I knew every word. I thought, man, I'm old. What's up with that? It doesn't matter. I wish I could tell you that in 2018, you'd quit running. But you know what you're going to do next year? You're going to run. If we should have 2018, every one of us will still be running. And we'll be running in one of four places. We'll be running from God, to God, with God, or ahead of God. We'll be running. Sometimes you're running along in life. Do you ever think about it? And think, boy, I wish there was just a place to stop. I wish as I'm running through my life that there was just a place where I fit in it. A, a, a place where somebody loved me for me. A place where I didn't have to pretend to be anything different than what I am. I, I, I wish that as I was running, I, I just wish there was a place for me. You ever think that sometimes? You ever think that in your living? Now look, God who at sundry times and divers manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, right? Whom he appointed heir of all things. By whom all things were made. He's the express image of God's person. He's the glory of his appearance. Who by himself had purged us by our sins is now set down at the right hand of the match. In the lastly, God has spoken. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness. Second Peter 1 3. And even the things that were written for time, Romans 15 and 4, written for our learning. And we just had a great reading. I was impressed with that reading. He pronounces those words way better than I do. I'll just tell you, I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad read that remind me of my French teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all hear my southern, y'all have heard me speak French when I was in high school. I learned polyvoo Francais. <laughs> you know, we had one of those deals that was old school, you know. And they said, we're going to have one of them little things where the parents come out and we speak in French for them. Miss Kilburn told me, she said, Carrie, you can run the lights. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You don't mean to you don't mean to serenade them a little verajaca or what? I didn't know. I thought well, that's pretty bad because I my, my my I don't have much of a French accent, do it? But but that's where we're all right. What you learn from that reading is something that's very significant. Now now let me tell you a little bit. We'll go quickly about where we read there in Genesis 26. Isaac is one of the forefathers. Obviously, he is the son of Abraham. Isaac was the son that was promised to Abraham and Sarah. And it would be through his lineage that all nations would be blessed. In other words, Isaac is as much of the lineage of Christ as Abraham. Other than the promise was made to Abraham. Same promise made to Isaac later on. Matter of fact, if you read right here in Genesis 26, the promise, the land promise of giving Canaan to the Israelites, it's, it's, it's reaffirmed here with Isaac. You know, a lot of times when we think about 
the great forefathers of, of, of religion. We think about the great forefathers of time. The forefathers of Christ. We, we mentioned Jacob because he birthed the 12 tribes, didn't he? And we always think about Father Abraham, but a lot of times we don't think about Isaac. But Isaac was a good man. Isaac now is in a place where there is famine. Do you remember when Abraham, where, where he went when, when famine hit? He, he went down to a place called Egypt, right? You remember what happened when he got to, to start down to Egypt there? Abimelech, as it was, the king, by the way, that's the name that was given to some of those, just like the, uh, the Egyptian pharaohs. But, but anyway, when, when Abraham started down through there, uh, he and Sarah, and you remember, Abimelech made Sarah part of the harem. But, but here, Isaac's going down through there, and he comes across Abimelech. Now, God doesn't want Isaac to go on down to Egypt, so he tells him, he says, look, you just dwell right here where you are. He said, and later on, we'll give you that land, just like I promised Abraham that he could have this land. So Isaac stops. He becomes great here in this particular land. If you go ahead and read there, he begins to sow and he reaps a hundredfold. Isaac becomes great and powerful. And while Isaac and Rebekah are there, some similar things happen. Matter of fact, Rebekah must have been pretty because Isaac did the same thing that Abraham did when they asked him who Rebekah was. Do you remember what Abraham said about Sarah? That's my sister. Well, Isaac said the same thing about Rebekah. But Abimelech saw Isaac and Rebekah sporting, it tells you there. That, that, that's a little different term. They were hugging in such, a term, in such a way that he thought, that ain't his sister. It's got to be his wife. He tells Isaac, he said, why'd you do this? If somebody would have touched her, we would have all died from all of those things. So he does different than... than, than before, when Sarah was part of the harem, he, he just tells all the men everywhere what? Don't, don't touch Rebecca. Because if you do, you're going to die. Leave, leave her alone. I get asked sometimes about that term sporting or caressing it is in the Hebrew. And I tell kids sometimes, I said, you two courting? Or I ask them. I say, y'all courting? They just look at me. I have to go get in my dictionary and get the up-to-date term on what that means. You know, courting used to mean that was your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I don't know. It means something different now, I guess, but that's it. But anyways, so now you have Isaac and Rebekah flourishing to the point that Abimelech and the Philistines are a little nervous. As a matter of fact, Abimelech says that Isaac is becoming greater than him. And he tells Isaac, look, you've got to go. So there he starts down the valley of Gerar. That's where the story was. And that's what it read. Now as he starts down the valley of Gerar, you stay with me. He starts down the valley of Gerar, it tells you that he's going to redig some of the wells that the Philistines have filled up that his father had dug. And he comes to one of those places and he digs a well. And it tells you that as he digs that well, that Abimelech has sent some herdsmen to kind of go along and spy and make sure that 
Isaac got on out of town, so to speak. And it tells you that as he digged the well and the water comes forth, they quarrel over the well. Matter of fact, it gives you a Hebrew name of that well that is Essek. Do you see it there? E-S-E-K. What that term means literally is a quarrel. Now we understand what a quarrel is. It's, it's, it's an argument. We've had arguments before. And so Isaac, being patient like he is, Isaac now is going to persevere a little bit. And he thinks, well, that's okay. If you don't want me to dwell here, y'all can have that well, and I'll just move on down the valley a little further. So he does, and he, and he digs another well. And it tells you there that what? Tells you that he has that well dug and that the herdsmen of, of, of Abimelech are still there nearby. And they rise up and they fight for that well. Because that well sit not. That actually is, means enmity in the Hebrew, if I understand correct. It would be like in James chapter 4 where it says, friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Which means you can't be with the world and be with God, right? We understand that. We know what's in the world. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. That's against God. That's 1 John 2, 15 to 17, right? So we understand that. So, so now there's a quarrel there, and he says, wait, we just call this place sitting. It's a little deeper argument. And Isaac says, but wait a minute. God promised me this. God, what are you doing? No, he doesn't get ahead of God. He just does what? He moves on down the valley. He digs another well. This time there is no contention. Right? So he names the well Rehoboth. Do you see that there? Now if I understand, like I, I look, I can barely handle English. So I'm telling you something I read. But if I understand what the Hebrew word means right there, it means spaciousness. Alright, so now we went from having quarrel to enmity to having space. Now don't you look at the rest of that verse. For the Lord has what? Made a place for me. Now as you run headlong, friends, as we run headlong into 2018... As we are going as fast as we can to fit in, to accomplish, to do whatever it is we need to do, and you feel like there's not any place for you to go, you feel like you don't have any home place, you feel like there's just not any space for you, listen to me, it's not true. Because the Lord has made a place for you. <laughs> Isn't that great? The Lord has made a made a place for me. Do you think about that? Within the very power of God, what? The Lord has made a place for me. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12, he wrote what? For I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to do what? To keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I've committed my soul to God and I'm convinced what? He's able to take care of it. He's able to deliver me. From the very presence of God. Remember we talked about in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 this morning that God had promised that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, the Lord has made a place with the power and the, the very presence of God. 
We can always have that. The very provisions that he provides. Matthew chapter 6, listen to this. He says, now which one of you that thinks that you can worry about how tall you are can add a cubit to your height? He said, you can't. He said, you can't do it. He said, and you worry about what? What you're going to eat. He said, but consider the fowls of the air. They don't sow, they don't sow but they do what? They reap. If God can care for the fowls of the air, what makes you think that he can't care for you? Don't take any thought about what you're going to wear. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God can so clothe the lilies of the field, you know he can clothe you. From the very things that God provides, which gets us down there in Matthew chapter 6 to what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You'll have what you need. You see, God has made a place for us. God has made a place for you. You looking for a place to land in 2018? Let me tell you about his church. Along the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked the question in Matthew 16, Who do men say that I am? The apostles answered, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say thou art Elias. Some say thou art one of the prophets. He said, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon of Bar Jonah, Simon Peter, as always he did, he piped up and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Very good, Simon of Bar Jonah. He said, Because flesh and blood hadn't revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven hath revealed this unto me, unto thee. He said, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, literally thou art a stone, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind upon earth shall be bound in heaven, or is already bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose upon earth is already loosed in heaven. We're going to establish the church, and do you know who has a place in that church? You do. The Lord has made a place for you. You can belong there. And the atoning blood of Jesus' Son, of God's Son, Jesus, the Lord has made a place for you. Listen to this. Yes, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. John 3, 16 and 17. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. 1 John 2 and 1. But if any man sin, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In other words, he had somebody pleading his case. Jesus Christ the righteous who loved us, who do what? Gave himself to be a propitiation for our sins. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Lord has made a place for you. That blood will cleanse your sin. It will cleanse it. In the saving message of the gospel, the Lord has made a place for you. Listen to this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes in, first, in Romans chapter 1. Verses 16, beginning there, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is God's power unto what? Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith, or to produce faith, and the just shall live by faith. The gospel has made a place for you. 
That saving message that would save those that Paul was writing to in Rome, guess who it still saves? It still saves me and you. The Lord has made a place for us. The Lord has made a place for you in that saving. The Lord has made a place for you in His grace. His unmerited favor. Listen to what Paul wrote in Titus. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth forth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, we can look for that what? That glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who loved us, who gave himself for us to redeem us from iniquity, that we could be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. In the grace of God that freely justifies man, Romans 3 and 24, the Lord has made a place for you. His favor is for you. And friends, even in heaven, the Lord has made a place for us. Christ told him in John 14, look, I'm going to go away. When he begins John 14, he says, he says, but let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'll go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. What he taught right there in John 14 is what? I've made a place for you. I've made a place for you. So the question, friends, as we run headlong out of 2017 and into 2018 is not where do I fit in? Where am I going to go? Where is my place in this life? Our place is simply to fulfill the will that God has for us, which in Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundations of the world, not in an arbitrary fashion, but before the foundations of the world, that what all spiritual blessings were going to be were, verse 3, in Christ Jesus. Our, our, our goal, our will, God's will for us and the place he's made for us is to give us all spiritual blessings, which includes grace, which includes what? Heaven, which includes comfort, which includes provision. It includes all these things. The Lord has made a place for us. The real thing that we have to ask then is have we made one for him? That's the deciding point. And you can't answer that for me. And I can't answer that for you. I've just told you and we've just studied that God has made a place for you. Will you make one for Him? That is life's greatest question. That is life's only real mission, friends. It was that way in 1963 when I was born. It's the same thing in 2018. 
Make a place for God. Make a place in your heart of belief. Christ said, look, if you don't believe that I'm Him, you'll die in your sins. John 8 and 24. Make a place in your will of repentance. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Die to self. Live for him. Because we know that God has commanded all men everywhere to repent, to change. Acts 17, 30 and 31. Make a place for him in your mouth of confessing of all the things that you could confess. And I, I think of that. The Ethiopian treasure confessed in Acts chapter 8. When they came to a certain water, Philip said, I mean, the treasurer said, Look, Philip, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip asked him what? He said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What did Christ promise us in Matthew 10, 32 and 33? If we'll confess him by word of mouth and by the way we live, where will we be confessed? He said, I'll confess you before the Father in heaven. Have your sins washed away in baptism. Saul of Tarsus, the great persecutor, when stricken on the road to Damascus, was sent into the city and was told somebody's going to come and tell you something to do, Saul. That man was Ananias. He came in there and he said what? Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Make a place for God in your heart, in your life. In your will, He's made a place for us. If you're not a Christian, obey that gospel. If you're the prodigal, come home. If we can assist you, invite you to come while we're standing and while we're singing. that are higher things that are nobler these have a 